Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, October 22nd, 2021. As you look back at life, what would you say are some of your best memories? Probably there are times that you really enjoyed. Uh, A special trip with your family or a time with loved ones or a time in your career where things really felt like they were moving or exciting, right? These are probably the times you look back on just with the most fondness and you brings a smile to your face. What about the things that aren't so good memories? What about the things that you look back at and say, oh, I hope I don't have to do that again? Uh, Maybe some kind of bout with illness uh, that you had, maybe a hard situation uh, with work or with family or something like that. Often we find ourselves looking back at the good memories saying, I would like to relive those and looking back at the bad memories saying, I hope I never have to do that again. Well, today we're going to see the psalmist in Psalm 119 think a little differently than we normally do when it comes to looking back and especially looking back at hard times and trials. And we're going to see this today as we look at Psalm 119 verses 65 to 72. And as we look at these verses, twice we are going to see the psalmist specifically mention affliction. Uh, The first one is verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. And then the other time there is in verse 71, where it says, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. So there in those two verses, we see him look back at affliction fondly. And that's where you and I, we often don't do that. We look back at affliction and say, I hope I never have to do that again. Where here in God's word, he's saying, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. And this opens up the door to us to some realities that we see in this passage and elsewhere in scripture. Again, for God's people, we have to be reminded what is the purpose of affliction. And we see that, really, and we know that. We just read about it in James recently. God uses affliction. God uses trials for our good and ultimately to make us more like Christ. And now he's looking back and saying, it was good that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. This affliction that God brought into my life made me more like him. It taught me more about following him. And now I can look back and say, it was good that I was afflicted. And then the other thing that we see even in that statement is the value of God's way, the value of his law, the value of his direction. And that's what it flows to immediately as you go from verse 71, where it says, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes, and goes right into verse 72. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces, right? He has such a, uh, just a treasure in God's law that he says, man, anything that will help me learn that better 
is so precious. And so now he can look back on affliction in an entirely different light. And we should consider, it's just we think of the law of the Lord as believers, that we should be thinking through that on multiple levels, right? The law of the Lord, ultimately, it points us to Christ, that we need a Savior and that Jesus, he has fulfilled the law. He is that Savior. We must turn from our sins and trust in him. And then we're also reminded that now as believers, he has put his law in our hearts. He has changed us from the inside out. And now we recognize we want to keep God's law, not out of some just mere obligation to follow the rules and certainly not in any way to earn our salvation or God's favor, but we seek to follow the law because now we trust God and we see, oh, wow, your law is actually good. It is better. It's seeking to lead me really in the way of of what is good and right, where the world wants to lead me into destruction. And therefore, we love anything that helps us to see more of God's way and to live that out in our lives. And so he says, it was good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. And then that reminds us really that our afflictions, they come from not God's meanness, not his anger for his people. They come from his love. Consider the other verse about affliction and what it flows into. Verse 67 says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. And that flows right into verse 68. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. So it reminds us God is good. He does good. So our afflictions that we experience are not disconnected from God's goodness. Even in affliction, we can say you are good. You do good. Teach me your statutes. And this section here in Psalm 119, verses 65 through 72, is very reflective. He's looking backwards. And I hope this helps us not just as we look backwards at our lives, and hopefully it does help us look back with greater fondness at some of our afflictions in life because of how they have grown us, but I hope it also gets us to look forward differently. And the next time you see affliction springing up in your life, you don't say, Oh no, not this again, but that we say, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes, or that we might, as James put it, consider it all joy when we encounter trials of various kinds. And speaking of James, let's turn there now as we look at James chapter 5, verses 1 through 12 today. And here also, I guess it connects with that idea of affliction, is James goes off on people doing afflicting. He goes off on the rich, and I think as we consider all of Scripture, this isn't just talking about any person that possesses wealth anywhere, but it seems to specifically even talking about those who have gotten rich, placed their trust in their riches, got their riches by using and abusing other people and how God is going to judge them for that. In verse five, he says, you have lived on earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Uh, But it talks about the cries of the harvesters in verse four, have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. They were reminded God 
Uh, He cares for the afflicted. He cares for the brokenhearted. He cares for those who are oppressed. And that's where, again, our priority in life should not just be to live in the lap of luxury that doesn't tend to lead us to godliness. And certainly that is not what we should seek above everything else. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And we should take comfort in affliction that ultimately God will judge what is right and just. And our focus in this life is not what we possess here and now. It is on eternity. And we're reminded of that in verse 7, where he says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And there, I I do believe Christians should be anticipating uh, the return of Christ as imminent. But we also see that there's this balance of, hey, he's coming is at hand. Be ready for it, but also be patient because it might not come when you think and it might not come when you want it to. So have that patience, but we look ultimately to the future. Our hope is in the coming of the Lord, but until then, we will be patient and we will trust God, we will follow the example that he gives in verse 11 of Job, and we have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. That reminds me of, Lord, you are good and do good. Until Christ returns, we will trust the goodness of God and be patient until that day. And speaking of being patient, we get an example here in Jeremiah as we look at Jeremiah chapters 25 and 26. Jeremiah 25 is where he uh, talks about and specifically states that this exile is going to be for a term of 70 years. And then in Jeremiah 25, 12, it says, then after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation in the land of Chaldeans for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. And we're reminded, we've seen that even in other prophets we've already read, even though God used the Babylonians to punish uh, Jerusalem and Judah, um, God also punished the Babylonians for their own sin. So no one is getting away uh, with it. But then in chapter 26, we see Jeremiah uh, very much threatened, and he is speaking the words of the Lord And he is telling them that judgment is coming, and that does not go over very well. They are upset that he is preaching what they think of as harsh words. They are upset that he is saying that the temple really is going to be destroyed, and they seek to put Jeremiah to death. But then we also see that Jeremiah is spared uh, from death, and they refer even to other prophets, and one that preached a message of coming judgment and was listened to, and another who was ultimately martyred. And this really reminds us, if we are faithful to Christ, there will be consequences to that. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But we also see examples of deliverance, and I think we should expect some share of both of those in our lives uh, of Hey, if we're being faithful to Christ, that is not going to be popular, but also we are going to see God in many ways deliver us in those situations. But hopefully that even helps us set our expectations of what it's going to be like to serve Christ and to follow him and to proclaim him. And really speaking of proclaiming him, while that will bring trials, while that will bring opposition, there is a satisfaction that comes in doing that as well. 
And we see that as we get back and finish our time today in John chapter 4, verses 31 through 45. And here is somewhat the aftermath of Jesus's conversation with this woman at the well. And as she runs back into town to tell everyone about Christ, uh, the disciples return and with, with the lunch that they went to go get, and they urge uh, Jesus to eat. And he says in verse 32, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And they're confused by this. And he makes clear in verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And that's a good reminder that while serving Christ will be hard, uh, serving Christ will be opposed. Serving Christ is also rewarding in a way that nothing else is. And then Jesus reminds them of that the fields are white for harvest. And that's where I want to end today is even just with an encouragement to all of you to see yourself as someone who has a job who needs to be a worker in the harvest. And uh, even as we think about the fields are white for harvest, we need to see that everywhere. I, I feel that often where I am here in the Treasure Valley in Idaho is it's one of the fastest growing communities in the United States. I hope Everyone that's a part of my church has a sense the fields are white for harvest. What are we doing about it? But also wherever you live, it doesn't need to be a growing area. Maybe people are leaving where you're living or things are changing in a negative way where you are. But wherever we are, we have the gospel. We have the Holy Spirit. May we be faithful servants in the harvest who know how rewarding that is, even if it comes along with affliction. And as we experience affliction, may we look forward to it and trust that God will use it to teach us his law. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.